Hello, and welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, everybody. My name is David Berman. I am the daily Nebraskans editor-in-chief for the 2021-2022 school year, so very excited for that. And for one last time, I'm going to be hosting this podcast with these cool kids. Yeah, uh, as well as... Um, I'm Mia Everding. I'm a graduate student, and this is my final night hosting, co-hosting this podcast, and then thus ends my career. In general, that's it. I'm retiring. <laughs> Mia, is, Mia is retiring. She's gonna tip her cap to the crowd that everyone will cheer. She did it. She she did she did so many things in her time. Such a pictured career pictured that's not storied career in four years that's it oh yeah um and yeah i'm kyle cruz i just graduated a couple months ago at this point um and yeah host this podcast of which as these two have mentioned this is our final episode uh i think it's 57 so yeah episode 57 is the last episode of cinebraskans um because me and i are are both leaving the DN and because we are old and Dave is a youngin who's still in college. <laughs> I am, yes. You know, when we set out to do this podcast, we said we were only going to do 57 of these, no more, no less. And we, we, hit, we hit that goal. So, um, and yeah, this is, this is both of your last contributions to the Daily Nebraskan. How does, how does that make both of you feel? It feels weird because like, so yeah, I started writing for the DN like September, like maybe even like August of my freshman year of college. Like it was pretty much, it was pretty right away. Like I sent the email asking to work for the DN prior to even coming to campus. Um, and now here we are like four and a half years later and it's weird. But. Yeah, it does. It feels weird. I have a similar story. I started in I think September or October of 2016, my freshman year, which is crazy. Um, feels feels a little sad, but I don't want to get sad. So it was a gradual, like my first year of grad school, I didn't do much. Like I was just co-hosting the podcast. So I wasn't writing like you, Kyle, and like contributing as much as either of you um, as reporters and editors. So it's been a slower like wind down, I think, to to now here. Now we're we're here being sad boys. But but until then we'll, we have we still have some some good movie content to talk about. So we'll try not to be too sad. Yeah, lots of fun stuff to talk about this week. Um, so yeah, on that note, uh, we'll just jump into our first segment, which is what have I done? What done? And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about what movies or TV or whatever we've been watching and whether or not it was any good. Um, so as usual, Dave, let's start with you. What have you been up to? Well, for the last content I will ever watch on this earth um, and talk about on this podcast, uh, two movies that I really enjoyed and, and very excited to talk about. So first one is Luca, which is the most recent Pixar movie that came out like last week, I think. Um, and yeah, that was a pretty sure just a straight to Disney plus release. Um, and so for those of you who don't know, it's um, about 
uh, two sea, it's about a couple of sea monsters uh, who live on the Italian Riviera. Um, and in, in very little mermaid fashion, um, they are told that they're, well, at least one of them, Luca, um, is told that they should not go to the surface. It's very dangerous and that, um, you know, they will be killed by the land monsters as they call humans, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and so, but then Luca very quickly meets this other sea monster named Alberto who lives on the surface and who lives by himself in this, on this island. And um, when he, um, and Luca soon discovers that when sea monsters are out of the water, they just basically turn into humans and they look like humans um, until they get wet again. And then they turn into sea monsters again. Um, so Luca and Alberto, they go on this very fun adventure um, to try to get a Vespa, which is just like, a Italian motorcycle, I think, <laughs> um, and just see the world and learn what it's like to be human. And so, yeah, I went into this with kind of low expectation because I just heard, you know, that it was fun and, and cute, but just, it wasn't like anywhere close to Pixar's best. Um, but I really like this. It's really, it's just really cute. Um, I, it's definitely not like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't compare it to any of like my favorite Pixar movies, but it's a lot, I feel like it's Pixar's simplest movie and most, and honestly, maybe most kid-friendly movie because it just, it's very simple and straightforward. There, there isn't a lot of deep, like metaphysical themes in this that will destroy the way you like see humanity in the world. Um, it's just about two, two fish friends and their journey to become human and just about like learning to accept yourself and how being different is okay. And that, uh, that theme is just in every kid's movie ever, but it still works very well. Um, and yeah, the animation is beautiful. Uh, Jacob Tremblay plays Luca and Jack Dylan Grazer plays Alberto. Um, so they're both really good. And yeah, it's just a ton of fun. Um, I would definitely recommend it. I think, yeah, if, if, you, if you have kids that you wanna show it to, like I think they would absolutely love this and just have a ton of fun with it. But yeah, I mean, even as an adult, I think it's just like very entertaining in the world, so. Uh, yeah, so I, I haven't watched Luca yet. Um, I feel like my kind of excitement about Luca is kind of diminished by the fact that it is just a Disney Plus release. Um, whether or not that's like I, I, I realize that that is kind of a disservice to the movie itself because like it was intended to be theatrical but then COVID and everything um, but was your experience changed much viewing it on Disney plus rather than like in a theater like with most Pixar movies I don't think so I think I would have been yeah just more absorbed by the story and just the visuals if I saw it on a big screen but I still like really enjoyed it on a TV and thought it still just looked beautiful and was just very fun. So I don't think so. I, I feel like it felt kind of like a Pixar short, but just expanded into like an hour and a half. Like it, it felt, it's like, a, it's a very simple concept. It feels like something that could have been just like 10 minutes about sea monsters learning how to be human. But it, I, I think it like expands out really well and all the side characters are really fun. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it's very like derivative of a lot of movies, but that's okay. And you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, the second movie I want to talk about is In the Heights, which I freaking loved. It's so dang good. Um, I know both of you have watched it. I don't think you, either of you talked about it on the podcast from memory. I don't know if we did or not. Um, 
I thought it was pretty good. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I'm, like, head over heels in love with it as much as, like, a lot of people are and as much as I assume you are. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was really solid. Like, I, yeah, it'll probably be on a year-end list for a lot of people, and I think that is justifiable, so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I – oh, sorry, Mia, go ahead. No, I didn't have very original thoughts, so go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I just – I went into it with very high expectations just based off everything I had heard. And I think those were absolutely met. I think this is instantly like one of my favorite movie musicals um, and it's like favorite like musical adaptations. Um, I think yeah, the music is obviously really great. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda knows what he's doing, knows how to write a very, a very emotional and impactful musical. Um, and I think like very naturally this will get compared to Hamilton and this movie really only exists because of Hamilton, because of and Manuel Miranda's fame because of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just, it's a much more intimate story. It's about the neighborhood of Washington Heights and um, the people who are living with, within it and their dreams and um, just kind of highlights a few different characters and you kind of see their journey of grappling with like being in this neighborhood for all their lives and like where they want to go in life. And it's really about how, you know, a lot of times people, they have to their home to accomplish their dreams and like that's and leave the places that the people that they've always known but it's about just how you don't need to do that like you can accomplish your dreams with the people that you love you don't need to leave the place that you've called home to do that and I just think it's a really beautiful story um Anthony Ramos who's who plays Usnavi the lead is really really great um and I thought all the supporting characters are really good too and it just felt like I just it was just two and a half hours of serotonin for me. Like I just was smiling the entire time. And then like I left the theater and I was just in a good mood the entire rest of the day. So, and I've been listening to the soundtrack like ever since, like every day. So, so yeah, I, I really loved it. Um, and yeah, I probably will see it again on the big screen because it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you really wanted to, you could probably still watch it on HBO Max uh, because it got a day and date release on that. And I think it's only there for probably, how, how long ago did this movie come out? Like two weeks ago? Something like that? Yeah. yeah. So it's probably on there for like another two weeks at least. Yeah, I've already, like, because I, like, the last, like, 10 minutes of this movie, like, made me cry. Um, so I've already, like, gone back and just watched the last 10 minutes and just been, like, love this. So, yeah, big, big thumbs up from a big musical, musical movie boy, so... Uh, what about you, Mia? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I finally, finally, finally got around to watching uh, episodes three, two and three of Loki. I watched that last night. Um, honestly, I do not like this show. I'm like kind of disappointed both in myself and in the show. Um, I realized something I hate when women are written poorly. And it feels like the one central female character in this is written so badly. I don't think it's on the actress's part at all. It just, she feels really contrived. And I don't know if it's because like, like, is she a low key pretending to be this gal? Like, I still don't really get the science of this show whatsoever. Um, but it just feels very cheaply done. Like her characterization. Um, and I have been very disappointed. So I don't want to talk about that. 
I do want to talk about what I also have been doing, which is watching videos from the YouTube channel, The Take. Um, they do these like 15, 20 minute long um, breakdown, like video essays, uh, just about tropes that we see in, in media. Um, and one that I had watched recently was about the manic pixie dream boy, which is like the opposite of the manic pixie dream girl, which is in like, I would say early 2000s, like rom-com uh, type movies, uh, like Summer in 500 Days of Summer and Kate Winslet's character in uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or that movie. So it's the opposite of that trope, which is like pretty degrading, I think, to women. And it's it was just a super interesting breakdown of like these super optimistic male characters who instead of kind of like overshadowing the woman character like they just kind of bring out good parts of her personality um yeah I don't know I I'm not doing the video like justice uh because I think there was a lot more to it but it was a trope that is um in I think like newer movies um so I would definitely suggest checking that out um they kind of go over like a lot of different topics and each video is like really well put together um and like the pacing and the script of everything is like incredible so it's been a lot of fun to just kind of like sit down when i'm having a meal or i have you know 20 or 30 minutes to just kind of like watch youtube but actually try to learn something while i'm doing that so that is my last update uh, what would you so you say uh, that you've watched like a few videos from this from this channel? Uh, what what would you say are some of the like more interesting ones that you would recommend to people? Like a, a few of them. Um, one was about the female gaze, so it was talking about uh, the male gaze, how that's predominant in in media, in mainstream media at least, um, from Laura Mulvey's uh, essay about the male gaze and what you know, what that looks like. Um, and it's the opposite of that. It's like how women kind of want to be perceived, how they're perceiving the world. Like it's not like Magic Mike or movies where men are like put in these super sexy roles. Like it's about respect. And um, yeah, that was really, really interesting. And they talked about one of the movies that they highlighted was uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I, I thought was a really good inclusion. Like Kyle, I know you love that movie. Um, but yeah, they, it's, I think it's more like feminist oriented. So you'll find a lot of, of topics like talking about, I think, feminism and gender inequality, not so much maybe like racial inequality. Um, so maybe go into it with that, uh, that in mind. So you're not disappointed by like lack of coverage in that, of that topic. While you're talking, I looked them up on YouTube and added one of my one of their videos to my watch later. So I'll watch some of them and get back to you on that. Um, yes. Yeah. In terms of what I've been up to, um, so I have one movie to talk about and then a couple albums that I'll just very briefly uh, touch on. Um, but the movie I want to talk about is the the latest Fast and Furious film, uh, F9. Um, so I just went and saw this yesterday. Um, if I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times on this podcast, I'm sure. Um, but my grandmother, it like loves these movies, like the whole Fast and Furious franchise. Like I had not seen any of them, but, uh, by the time, like, I think it was the seventh one came out. 
Um, and like she specifically asked me to take her to it. And so then since that point, I've taken her to every new Fast and Furious movie that's come out, including Hobbs and Shaw, um, just because she loves them. I think she got into it because she loves The Rock, but then she ended up just loving the franchise as a whole. Um, so yeah, I took my grandmother to see F9 yesterday. Um, personally, I thought the movie was fine. It was okay. Like it was exactly what you would expect a Fast and Furious movie to be. Like it was over the top. It was ridiculous. It had poorly written characters and some questionable acting and just overall, like it's, I don't know. It's a Fast and the Furious movie. One thing that I will like give them props for though, is even though I'm not particularly a fan of this franchise, I think there's a lot of fan service in this movie and things in this movie that fans of the franchise are just absolutely going to love. Um, because like the amount of characters that they bring back in this movie was astounding because like obviously there's the there's the main like group of people that's like Vin Diesel's whole crew um but then they like went back to like Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift which was like the third one from like the mid to early 2000s and they brought back like the entire lead cast of that movie because that was kind of like a spin-off um and then they brought back Helen Mirren who plays like the mother of a couple of characters in this series um, they brought back Charlize Theron, who is a villain in another one of the movies in this series. Um, and yeah, it was it was just every time like a, a recognizable character popped up. I'm like, that that's kind of cool. Um, also, there were some act, uh, some performers in this movie that I did not expect to be here, specifically Michael Rooker's in this movie. Like and he has a very small role in the movie. Like he's like a mechanic at like a racetrack that his that Vin Diesel's character's dad worked at. And you meet him like two or three times. Like he has a very small role. And I didn't even notice it was him when we first met him. Like it wasn't until the second scene with that character that I'm like, oh, that's Michael Rooker. Uh, and like he was fine in it, but I was just surprised to see him. Um, and then, yeah, Helen Mirren showing up and like all this other characters. So yeah, the movie's fine. If you're into Fast and Furious, I'm sure you'll like this movie. Um, but if you're not, I don't know if this is going to be the movie to to get you into this franchise. Um, yeah, it's, I will say that they were, so obviously this franchise has a reputation for being like dramatically over the top and like, oh, this started as like just a generic like street racing franchise. And now it's like international spies and all that fun stuff. Um, and they kind of like play into that. Like they're a little tongue in cheek with it. Like I, when, there's an ongoing bit with uh, a character played by Tyrese Gibson uh, where he just kind of is convinced that they're invincible. Uh, and he's like listing all the crazy things that they've done and how none of them had died. And at one point he like pulls up his jacket. He's like, look at all these bullet holes. How am I alive? And like, like it's kind of fun that they're like actively commenting on how ridiculous it is. But then like a character that is like kind of like paired with Tyrese Gibson's character um, is a character named Tej, who's played by uh, Ludacris. Um, and those two are kind of a duo, but Tej is more of like a, like a computer smarts guy. And so he's always talking about how like, oh, you need to obey the laws of physics and do all this like math and science and stuff so that we can make sure these plans work. Uh, and then they end up shooting a car into space on a rocket. Um, like it is what it is. Like they're, they're like, we're using actual science and then they just do ridiculous things like flipping a semi with massive magnets in the back of a truck and having a car ride, like drive up a bridge like a rope bridge that is like broken and falling but the car drives up it anyway um and i'm like yeah whatever 
it's it's a dumb movie, but it's it was it was kind of fun. It was way too long. It was like two and a half hours long, um, which yeah, it did not need to be. Um, but I think the the tenth one that they are already kind of like in pre production on, uh, I think that's supposed to be like the last main series Fast and Furious movie. I'm sure we'll get uh, more spinoffs uh, in some form or another. Like I don't think that's that will be the end of this franchise. I think it'll be the end of the main series is what they seem to be building towards. Um, and I'm sure I'll Isn't take the 10th one, like two parts. Is it? It might be. Um, yeah. I think they're splitting it into two movies. That's kind of dumb, but also like kind of something that you would expect them to do. And I think if I'm not mistaken, they're calling it like, it's like whatever. I don't know the exact they're calling it fast and furious 10 or f10 or whatever but it's like fast and furious 10 part one and two so there's like two parts to like the 10th movie so there's not 10, 10 and 11 one and 10, 10 part one and 10 part two <laughs> i think that's what they should <laughs> yeah that's really funny yeah um, i think that's very on i think that's very on point for this franchise to be honest yeah um also i can went through that entire uh like yeah, tirade, I guess. Not tirade, but you know what I'm saying. Um, without mentioning John Cena, John Cena is the villain in this movie. Um, he plays Vin Diesel's brother, um, which is so shoehorned. Like, the fact that Vin Diesel's character has a brother is just so like, oh yeah, he's there and I just haven't mentioned him the whole time. And it's funny because his character already has a sister, like, in this series that has been in previous movies. So neither of them have mentioned the fact that they just had a brother. Um, and I just think that's kind of funny. Um, and the explanation for why he hasn't been around is kind of laughable, but like, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a Fast and Furious movie. So you're not going for the plot. Um, but yeah, on that note, uh, I'll move into the couple of different albums I want to talk about. Um, so there've been three albums in particular that I've been really, really feeling for the past, uh, like few days. Um, specifically two new albums came out this week. Uh, and then there's another one that came out, I think about a month ago, maybe a little bit more, um, that I just got around to listening to. Um, but the two that came out this week are Tyler, the Creators, Call Me If You Get Lost, um, and The Murlocs, Bittersweet Demons. Um, but so yeah, so Tyler, the Creators, uh, Call Me If You Get Lost. I think it's like his seventh album. Um, but I, ha I haven't listened to his entire discography. I have uh, only been on board the Tyler, the Creator train since Flower Boy, which came out in 2017, and Flower Boy, uh, the follow-up Igor, which was 2019, and Call Me If You Get Lost are definitely a kind of like a separate kind of phase of Tyler, the Creator's career. I, I know all of his albums prior to that are a lot rougher. They're a lot more kind of um, juvenile, uh, which isn't a bad thing, but like it's definitely just a different vibe. Um, but I think Call Me If You Get Lost is really good. Uh, I think it's it embraces a lot of the kind of like jazz and R&B elements that Tyler's explored so much on Flower Boy and specifically Igor. Igor is basically not even a rap album. It's more of an R&B album. Um, but I think Call Me If You Get Lost does a lot, does a very good job of mixing that kind of R&B style with um, Tyler's like rapping. Cause there's a fair amount of like more like aggressive rapping on this album than has been, than specifically on Igor. Um, but it's just so it's melded together so well and it creates such an atmosphere um, that you just kind of get lost in the album and even though like track to track there could be significant differences um, like all of the songs build on each other very well 
Um, and Flower Boy and Igor both had kind of specific storylines to them. They were kind of concept albums in that way. But Call Me If You Get Lost, uh, I haven't dove too much into the lyrics um, of the whole thing. But the couple of songs I have, I kind of get the vibe that there isn't a solid story to this album, but it is kind of just a lot of specific uh, like anecdotes that Tyler has on certain things, whether it be racial justice or uh, just like a relationship drama he's having or whatever it is. But I think it is definitely the most personal album that I've heard from Tyler, the creator. He talks a lot about a lot of very kind of nuanced and very personal material on here. Specifically, even he references all of his older records and how he basically got canceled for what he said on some of those records and how he has like changed basically his entire style. Um, and now he's coming through and like, he just won a Grammy for Igor a couple of years ago. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's just an interesting evolution to watch. I think um, of those three records that I've listened to, I think Igor is still the best, um, but I think Igor is probably also one of my favorite albums of like the past decade. Um, so that's kind of a high bar. Um, but Call Me If You Get Lost, I think is really solid. And I would, I think I prefer that to Flower Boy. Um, but yeah, David, uh, you told me that you had listened to this album. So do you have any thoughts on this before I move into these other two? Yeah, so my Tyler, the Creator knowledge is very limited. I've listened to like some of Igor, I think, but um, I don't think like anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just really enjoyed it. I had heard about it on Twitter and like my roommates were talking about it. And so I gave it a listen. It's pretty good. I, I don't have, I don't have lots of like mainstream music, like review skills. So like, don't have a ton of in-depth thoughts about it but it's just a pretty good album and i liked it so yeah um but yeah as for these other two albums uh bittersweet demons by the murlocs so the murlocs are a kind of twangy uh rock band out of australia they actually share two members with uh, king gizzard and the lizard wizard which is how i found the murlocs but they're a very kind of different sound to king gizzard um, but yeah, this new album, Bittersweet Demons, I just think it's a lot of fun. Like it's nothing too crazy, um, but there's just, it almost kind of has a classic rock kind of feel to it. Kind of like a classic, a classic rock mi mixed with like a country sound. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's good for both uh, like intense listening, like just putting in headphones, listen, playing the album and just kind of hanging out or even just casual listening. Like I listened to it at work the other day and it was pretty good. Um, so yeah, I would recommend that. I don't have much else to say about it, but I enjoyed it. But then this last album I want to talk about is from an English uh, rock band called Black Midi. Um, and the album is called Cavalcade. So I, Black Midi, I know that they released their first debut album like two years ago and got a ton of critical acclaim for that. Um, Cause I know it's just very kind of experimental prog rock. Um, but this, their new album Cavalcade just came out again, like last month. Um, and I heard a lot of people uh, talking about it saying it was really good. So I decided to give it a try. And man, this album is incredible, but it's definitely not for everybody. It is like a mess, but it's like a beautiful mess because it's just very kind of jarring and very dark and just kind of not like pretty much the furthest you can get from anything you would hear on the radio is what you can find on this album. Um, the, the opening track just kind of like throws you in the deep end with just like this extremely kind of polymetric and uh, progressive rock sound that is just 
yeah, it's like you, it's hard to tap your foot along to just because the the rhythms that they're playing and like the melodies that they're using are just so strange um, that it's hard to like really kind of get into it. But yet it creates like a really solid atmosphere. Um, and that atmosphere continues for the whole record, despite the fact that so many of the tracks have entirely different sounds. Because like when you move into the second track, the second track on the album, it almost has like a 1950s like like soul lounge feel like it almost feels like something like Frank Sinatra would have done um, like in terms of its of its style and the the way that they're singing but it still kind of has these weird progressive psychedelic elements to it that make it definitely something of the 21st century but yeah it's taking a lot of cues from from older material um, and yeah there's just a lot of really weird stuff on this album but I really liked it and I think it's very quickly becoming one of my favorite records of the year um, so don't want to go too much too much deeper into it because I know this is a movie podcast, not a music podcast. But if you're if you're feeling something spicy, check on check out uh, Black Midi's Cavalcade. Um, it's definitely it's definitely not for casual listening. Like even if you try to casually listen to it, like I think the moment it, you put it on, like it just kind of grabs your attention um, because of yeah, just the the like absurdity of it. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, so I would recommend that. And yeah, so I guess on that note, we'll just jump into our news for the week. Um, so we've got a couple comic book things to talk about. Uh, first of all, it's neither a Marvel or a DC story. We're going to talk about The Boys for a second, um, because The Boys has cast uh, for season three, which they're filming right now, um, has cast Laurie Holden as a character named the Crimson Countess. So I'm not like I haven't read any of The Boys comics or anything. I've just watched the two seasons of the, of the show. So I'm by no means an expert. Um, but from what I've gathered online, uh, the Crimson Countess is basically the boys version of like the Scarlet Witch uh, from the MCU and just Marvel Comics in general. Um, and she, her character has ties to the character of Soldier Boy, who's being played by um, Jensen Ackles in season three of The Boys as well. Um, so yeah, I don't have a whole lot, of, whole lot of thoughts on this. I'm excited to see them bring a character with those kinds of abilities into the show. Cause I feel like we haven't really seen like magic in the boys yet. It's been mostly a kind of like physical, uh, like physicality powers, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm just really curious to see what they do with that character. Um, I haven't seen Lori Holden act in anything cause I haven't watched. She's most well known for her role in the walking dead. Cause I guess she was on that show for like 10 years. Um, she played a character named Andrea Harrison, but I guess she was also uh, in the Americans and a few other things here and there. Um, but yeah, uh, Mia, you have not watched the boys, um, but David, you have. So do you have any reaction to this casting? Uh, not particularly. I'm just glad they're yeah, adding some new cast members season three. I'm so excited for it. I hope it comes out relatively soon. Um, I saw a, uh, just another announcement about it yesterday about how they said that the season three premiere of the boys has one of the quote, craziest things anyone's ever done on television. So I am uh, excited for that, whatever that probably horrifying and disgusting thing is, so. Yeah, I know they've been teasing, uh, they're like adapting a storyline from the comics that I, I don't know the details uh, or anything or even the name of the storyline, but I guess they're adapting a storyline that has a lot of superhero orgies in it and they like all go to the same island and it's basically a superhero orgy island. So I'm sure that's going to be a lot. Um, so, so maybe that's what we open with in season one or season three. But. Yeah, I, you know, they, they take some very big swings on that show and that's what I really enjoy about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the third season. 
yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be interesting at least. Um, yeah, moving on from there, uh, we got the news that Bad Robot is developing an HBO Max series about, uh, based on the DC Comics character Madam Xanadu. So I had never heard of the character Madam Xanadu before, um, and I am pretty into DC Comics, so I was kind of surprised about that. Um, from a quick Google, it looks like Madam Zan Madam Xanadu um, is a Justice League Dark adjacent character. She's often part of that team. Um, and so, yeah, they're developing uh, this TV show. Um, the character has, I guess, ties to like the, the legends of King Arthur and has kind of like magic powers and such. Um, and the kind of common consensus is it looks like with this and the Constantine show and the um, the Zatanna movie that they're doing, it looks like they might be building towards a Justice League Dark like movie or series or something rather than just going straight into it like they had initially planned on doing with J.J. Uh, Abrams. So yeah, I'm knowing nothing, like basically nothing about this character. I'm at least interested in this because I'm interested in the kind of darker brand it seems that they're trying to build um, out of this. Uh, do you guys have any reaction to this? Not really. I... My initial thought when I heard this was, I don't think this is going to happen. I think this is something that they, they've announced and that will just one day in like six months, they'll just be like, oh yeah, we canceled that Madam Xanadu show, by the way. Um, okay, bye. <laughs> just like announce something else. Because um, that's just kind of something that DC seems to do. So yeah, but I mean, sure. Like, I think um, they also had that Swamp Thing show that apparently was really good, but was canceled after one episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it seems like they're trying to do something with Justice League Dark, but I don't know. I, I will believe it when it actually happens. Um, so yeah, I guess from there, I just want to briefly mention, uh, how have you guys heard about this, this WandaVision post credit scene stuff? It's been going around for the past couple of days. Yes. Um, yeah, so for, for our listeners who potentially haven't heard about this, um, some eagle-eyed Marvel fans noticed that the post credit scene to the finale of WandaVision on Disney Plus had been changed in some very minor ways. Um, they're just like little visual details had changed. Um, a lot of people have been talking about what appears to be a kind of like blurry, like spectral thing uh, floating down towards her cabin uh, when the camera's zooming in. Um, but then a lot of other just general details. Um, they gave Michael Giacchino like credit for the Doctor Strange, uh, Doctor Strange score uh, in that scene in the credits. Um, but then they've also added a lot of trees, a lot more trees to the area, uh, and removed some ducks from the lake. Um, so just lots of weird little details like that. Um, and apparently, so I, I uh, read some articles about this and like watched a breakdown of it. Um, and Apparently, uh, the the like spectral like ghost thing that a lot of people seem to have been uh, that uh, kind of like started a lot of this discussion um, is kind of an accident because uh, the the breakdown I was watching pointed out that uh, in a shot where it's her sitting on the front step of the cabin um, in the previous version of the scene there was like a little light in one of the windows that was probably someone from the production crew um, and that light is gone now. So it looks like they kind of just like pasted over it a bit and that like kind of pasting job got pulled into the rest of the, the sequence. And so there's just kind of a smudge there um, because it's that exact spot that it's in. Um, so that's kind of just a funny little production detail error. 
Um, but then the other, uh, the other details of like adding trees and like removing ducks, um, there's some people speculating that this could be part of a, like this, this scene could be part of a larger sequence that's in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, or they return to that location in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And maybe when, uh, uh, when uh, Sam Raimi was shooting that, they just happened to use a location with more trees in it. So they added more trees to make it match locations. Or maybe there's some reason that there's not supposed to be animals in the area or something. So they just removed the ducks. I don't know. It's basically a non-story, but it's just a weird visual like detail that like I feel like Marvel doesn't really go back and edit their existing material. Um, and this is just very, very minor edits. Uh, but I just think it's kind of a little interesting story. Do you guys have any any sort of response to this? Yeah, so I had kind of, when I first saw this, gone back and forth on thinking like, this is just a ridiculous, like non-story, like fans just making things up. Um, but then I like, I, I went and I actually watched it like on my phone. Like I watched like the actual scene on Disney plus and I was like, well, that looks like something. Like I can see where it looks like a Dr. Strange like figure, like, like it, it kind of looks like a, you know, you, you can see the cape, like it, it, you can like make out something there, but it's still this like so minor that it's like, why even do that? You know, like it's not. It just would be so weird to be like, oh yeah, Doctor Strange was showing up, but he was a weird, transparent ghost. Or like, he just kind of dodged between some trees and then vanished. Like, that would just be so weird to be like, oh, we need to put that in. So I, I had not heard about that. It's probably that explanation that it's probably just a mistake. Um, so I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think the other stuff with like the trees and the ducks, it's like, why I, I guess like I, I guess it might be yeah to make it more like whatever scene is going to happen in, in in Doctor Strange 2 like if that's going to happen but also like who cares like if like the trees are different or like if there are some ducks there like I, I don't know man like it's just so bizarre and I my thought with like the Michael Giacchino thing was maybe this entire thing was his like agent or like he got mad that like he didn't get credit for that. So then they just like put that in there, but maybe it's some like big conspiracy about, we got to put Dr. Strange in there and we got to make sure ducks aren't in there. And it's just such a weird, bizarre thing. And I just don't really know what to make of it. So I, I feel like it could be literally nothing or like a weird misguided, like PR stunt to generate buzz about something. So I don't know, man, it's just really, really weird. Yeah, I don't have, I don't think anything original to add on to what you both were saying. I haven't done nearly as much uh, research, I think, as either of you. So I have only seen the stuff that's been like circulating on Twitter. And yeah, I just hope that we get like a satisfying answer, I guess, in um, the Multiverse of Madness and that it won't be just like this. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when that happened? Whatever came from that. And then like, we just never get an answer, which I could honestly see happening maybe what happens is so there's a lot of speculation during WandaVision about her saying like in a an iteration on like her no more mutants line from like that famous house of m storyline maybe she says no more ducks in dr strange multiverse of madness and they're like we got to make sure there are no ducks in the scenes she's like these ducks are quacking too much i can't do it i'm gonna banish all ducks from existence she could she could if she wanted so 
Um, yeah, that's the whole plot of Multiverse of Madness, just trying to bring all the ducks back. <laughs> what's what's that Doctor Strange is like back to save the whales? Uh, it's just like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly like Star Trek Four, where they save all the whales, but it's ducks. I think that would be pretty good. Yes. Um, but yeah, moving on from there uh, to just some general movie news. Uh, so obviously I already talked about F9 and my reaction to that, but I want to briefly talk about the box office to F9 because it is officially uh, the biggest opening weekend of any film in the pandemic era. era. If you want to be super specific about it, technically it's the biggest opening weekend for any film since the rise of Skywalker. Um, but obviously the pandemic era started like two months after that. Um, but yeah, uh, it opened with about $70 million domestically this weekend, um, which is pretty good, uh, especially for like the current state that the, the theater industry is in. Um, it's, it's a big win for the mentality of releasing films uh, exclusively in theaters because obviously uh, F9 was exclusively in theaters, not streaming anywhere else. Um, so that, that's a lot of people very happy about that. Um, even a lot of uh, quote unquote cinephiles are very excited about that, but still upset because it's a Fast and Furious movie doing it, um, which is kind of just film Twitter is a very strange place. Um, but yeah, it's also just interesting because this is a bigger opening weekend than Hobbs and Shaw did, than Hobbs and Shaw had pre-pandemic. I think Hobbs and Shaw made about 65 million opening weekend. So that's probably just a little, I, I bet Vin Diesel is very happy with himself for beating out The Rock uh, in, in a pandemic nonetheless. Um, so yeah, I don't really have much else to say about this other than I'm just glad people are starting to go back to the movies. Uh, and yeah, do you guys have anything to add? Not really. Don't really care about Fast and Furious and probably won't see this movie. So I won't be adding to those box office numbers. And I and I, I'm sure Mia will be rushing out to see it at least four or five times. So that is correct. You you know me well. In uh, what is sure to be one of the, the biggest box office movies of, of the coming decade, uh, there's a live action Polly Pocket movie in the works um, in which Lily Collins has been cast as Polly Pocket and I believe it's being at least produced, maybe even directed by Lena Dunham. Well, I just, I don't know what to make of this. Like, I don't know, because I know there's also a Barbie movie in the works right now that I think Margot Robbie's involved with that. Um, so this kind of just feels like something in the same vein as that. But also, does anybody know who Polly Pocket is at this point? Like, I just vaguely remember of Polly Pocket toys when I was a kid. But I feel like if you say the name Polly Pocket to anyone under the age of 20, they're not going to know what you're talking about. Um, but I don't know. This could just be because I'm a boy and didn't play with Polly Pocket toys when I was a kid. So maybe it's much, maybe it's a much bigger brand than I am giving it credit for. Um, but do you guys have any, any sort of reaction? Are you excited for the Polly Pocket movie starring Lily Collins? Absolutely not. But I am thrilled that Mattel has continued its absolutely epic run of announcing just the weirdest and dumbest projects that nobody wants at all. Um, they are just, they're really just going for it. They're doing a Barney movie um they're doing a hot wheels movie a um yeah but, uh um what else uno movie i think a magic eight ball movie they're just really going for it and just throwing whatever at the wall and i just i cannot wait for all of these to make a billion dollars and for the real mcu to be revealed as the mattel cinematic universe <laughs> i don't really have any thoughts but dave kind of took the cake on that one so <laughs> 
All right. Um, yeah, moving on from there, uh, we got the the tragic news that Dune uh, has been delayed again, this time only by three weeks. Uh, so now it's coming out in mid-October as opposed to the first weekend of October. Um, I'm not really sure why they did this, uh, but because now it's opening on the same day as Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright and The French Dispatch, uh, as well as the real juggernaut that is Jackass 4. Um, so yeah. I mean, I guess we're going to have to wait three more weeks to see Dune. So that's kind of sad, but also like, at least it's not like months or anything. So I don't really have much of a reaction to it. Do you guys have anything uh, to say about Dune being delayed again? This is going to be quite the movie weekend. I think I'm just going to hunker down and watch all three of these highly anticipated movies, at least for me. Um, probably, and we, we talked about this a little bit pre-recording, but I think we'll watch Dune first for sure. Then probably the French Dispatch, and then like Last Night in Soho is what I'm thinking. Those are just my general order of excitement for it, so. What order do you think that you'll watch these movies in, Mia? Uh, probably the French Dispatch, and then maybe the French Dispatch, and probably the French Dispatch again. Because <laughs> I don't really have much interest in the other movies. So, I don't really know. But Mia, as David said earlier, Dune stars two of your favorite actors. It's got Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya in it. And it's directed by Denis Villeneuve. I know. And there's and Oscar Isaac. And there's a big worm. There's a big worm. And that's that's all you can really want from a movie. Who is doing the music for Dune? That I think it's Hans Zimmer. Um, I'll oh that. gosh. Well that changes things. Yeah, I think he didn't, Hans Zimmer didn't do Tenet because he was doing Dune. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I'll watch Dune. Yeah, if it's Hans Zimmer, so. Yeah, I think the order I'll watch these in, I'll probably go to Dune first as well, uh, but then I think I'll go to Last Night in Soho and then French Dispatch. I'm just very, I'm very excited for Last Night in Soho. Like, honestly, like, I think that and Dune, like, are kind of, uh, like, it's it's a tough choice to see Dune before Last Night in Soho, just because I'm very excited to see what Edgar Wright does with a weird time traveling horror movie. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on from there, uh, just really briefly wanted to mention that three uh, major films started shooting, uh, started, yeah, principal photography today. Uh, that comes from Knives Out, uh, which they've started shooting in Greece. Um, and we got a pretty fun photo of uh, Daniel Craig wearing, wearing some very luscious, luscious clothes. Um, just rocking it as as Benoit Blanc. Uh, ben, or is that his name? Or Benoit? It, okay, yeah, that, I'm getting nods of approval. Correct. Um, and then uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom started shooting today as well. Um, they put a production image that wasn't anything too exciting. It looked like it was just an icy space. So I guess there's not much to say about that. Uh, and then John Wick 4 started shooting today as well. Um, so yeah, just... Very excited for all three of these movies. I think they're all going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, uh, if I had to pick one of these that I'm probably most excited for, it'd probably be Knives Out too. But I'm still very excited for uh, both of them as well. Um, but yeah, of these three films, uh, I guess, which ones are you guys most excited about, um, if any? Um, and do you have just any thoughts on just the fact that they're actually starting production? Um, definitely Knives Out too. I would say. Um, and then the other two, I'm like, just kind of excited for I mean I haven't seen any of the John Wick movies but I'm sure once I do I'll, I'll be excited for that but yeah I mean Aquaman man you know it'll be it'll be pretty good probably so 
I have not seen the first Aquaman or any John Wick. And I think we established recently that I will not be watching John Wick as it is too violent for me and my delicate constitution. So I'm most definitely excited for uh, Knives Out too, especially with that incredible linen outfit that Daniel Craig was wearing. I was pretty jealous, I'll be honest. Are either of you fans of the the classic CW show Supernatural? Oh, hell yeah, I am. I've seen 10 of the 15 seasons, which is wow. a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I like from like 15, from like 14 to 18, probably I was like, I had a big supernatural phase where I was just really into it. But then it just like, there's just so much of it. So <laughs> I just could not keep up. But yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Um, yeah, so the reason I bring it up is because this week they they made an announcement that they're developing a supernatural prequel series that is going to focus on the parents of Sam and Dean Winchester. Uh, I don't remember the name of their parents. I've only seen a few episodes here and there. My mom was really into the show once upon a time, um, so I caught a few episodes every once in a while. Um, but yeah, so they're they're working on this prequel series. Uh, also, obviously, going to the CW. Um, Jensen Ackles, who played Dean, is a producer on the series. Um, but notably, uh, I forget the the name of the actor that plays Sam. Um, Jared Padalecki. Jared Padalecki uh, is not involved. Um, and there was a little bit of Twitter drama because he found out about this project on Twitter when they announced it. Uh, and he said that he was a little hurt that, that um, they were doing this without him and that he wasn't consulted or anything. Um, but he, I think it's all fine now. He, he tweeted out again that he had a good conversation with Jensen Ackles and there's no, there's no bad blood. So I guess that's, that's a positive thing. Um, I, this was unexpected, like this news that they're doing this, I thought was kind of unexpected because they made such a big deal about the end of Supernatural and like after 15 seasons and whatnot. But then also, it's also kind of not unexpected. Like it's like it, I feel like I was a fool for thinking that they were actually going to let this franchise be dead, um, but no pun intended, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to watch it just because I haven't watched any Supernatural, but who knows, maybe it'll be good. David, as a one-time Supernatural fan, are you excited about this show? Yeah, I, I'll probably give it a try. I, they've done some pretty extensive stuff with with the parents on Supernatural before. Like there were a bunch of flashback episodes where they like time traveled to see, to meet their parents when they were young. And we saw both of them like while they were like older. Um, and so, yeah, I think like this could be interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think maybe like, cause that would have taken, it's, I think it's like in the eighties that, they would be like starting to be like ghost hunters or monster hunters or whatever um so like i think that could be interesting like a supernatural-esque show set in the 80s i think could be cool um yeah i think it's very interesting that jensen ackles is yeah producing it and he's going to be narrating it um and that yeah they and he and jared padalecki are like very close in real life from everything i can tell so i think it's very interesting that he just didn't mention it at all that this was happening um, but yeah, I, I will probably at least watch the first episode and see what I think. Are you at all interested in this, Mia? No, not whatsoever. I was never into the show and I have no intention of it. 
un understandable. I think it is, again, I haven't watched the whole thing either uh, because it's 15 seasons and I've heard that there's often a very steep gap in quality between certain seasons. Um, but yeah, moving on from there, one other TV show I want to talk about uh, is the Halo TV series that's in the works. So Halo is a brand that they've been trying to make a, either a TV show or a movie of almost for 20 years since the first one came out. Like it just hasn't happened, but there, it feels like there's always been some sort of headline about it. Um, and so this show that they've been working on, uh, they've already started casting for and everything. Uh, it was originally supposed to be on Showtime, but then they got it moved over to Paramount Plus a few months ago. Um, and now the co-showrunners of the show have exited the series. So it feels like they're kind of back at square one again. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a kind of, like I'm generally a fan of Halo, but also I never had an Xbox when I was growing up. So I never played Halo of my own accord. I kind of just played a lot of it at my friend's houses. Um, so I'm not like a massive Halo fan by any means, but I was interested in this series. Um, and I'm still interested to see what it is when they eventually get something in front of cameras. Um, but yeah, this is kind of just like another, just like another negative thing about this, about, about this show, another kind of bad headline that they probably didn't want. Um, but yeah, do you guys have any, any reaction to this? Are you interested in Halo? Uh, are you would, would a Halo show get you to get you to subscribe to Paramount Plus or anything? Well, I already subscribed to Paramount Plus um, because we watch Star Trek things on there that are not very good, but I continue to watch them. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to be watching this unless I hear it's really good, which I doubt it will be somehow. So yeah, I've never really been a big Halo fan. Well, I wouldn't even say a fan. I've never played any Halo games. Um, because yeah, I've never I never had an Xbox. Um, I'm I've always been a Wii and PlayStation kid. So um, yeah, no, this is this doesn't really this doesn't really catch my interest at all. And I have nothing more to say except same. So cool. Classic Mia. <laughs> Um, but yeah, moving on from there, we got a couple trailers we want to talk about this week. So we've got three trailers that got released this week that we, well, we got two trailers that were released this week and then one trailer from a few weeks ago that we missed, but want to talk about now. Um, so the two new trailers are, uh, the second trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, and then we got our first full trailer for, uh, the sequel to the 2018 Halloween movie, uh, called Halloween Kills. Um, and then the, the other trailer that we want to give some love to is the trailer for Tick, Tick, Boom, which is a, a musical directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda starring Andrew Garfield. Um, just generally, I think all three of these trailers are really good. Uh, I think the Shang-Chi trailer is better, better than the first one. And I love the first trailer. I think there's a lot of really interesting uh, visual details in this trailer. It gets me very excited just to see what the movie is in general. Uh, I think uh, I'm very excited to see Simu Liu uh, in this role because as I've said before, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and yeah, I think this trailer just looks, it gets me very excited for the movie and I was already very excited for the movie. Um, I think uh, obviously the, the visual detail at the end of the trailer that everyone's talking about is it appears that part of the fighting tournament in this movie is gonna be a matchup between the Abomination from The Incredible Hulk and Wong from obviously just Doctor Strange and other MCU movies. So that's exciting. I'm excited to see more of Wong just because I love Wong as a character. Uh, and then it's fun to see them further tying back to just kind of their original Incredible Hulk movie that they've 
largely ignored uh, for a while, but then they've started like having little connections to it. So I'm just excited to see that. Um, and then the Halloween Kills trailer, I think is really solid. I love the, the Halloween movie from 2018. And this one appears to continue right where that first one left off. It appears to be just like a, a pretty solid continuum, uh, continuous story. Um, there's a lot of, it, this trailer, for a first trailer, I feel like it shows a lot of the movie, um, but also I'm sure it'll be a fun movie anyway. Um, and then, yeah, the Tick, Tick, Boom trailer, I think is really solid. Um, I kind of, I saw it when I saw it in the Heights a couple weeks ago, but then I kind of forgot about it, uh, but I watched it again before we started recording. And yeah, it looks good. Um, I'm really curious to see Andrew Garfield in a musical, uh, much less a musical directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think that was, that's all, like, how could you not be excited for that? Um, but yeah. As for you guys, what are your reactions to these trailers? And is there any in particular that you think are uh, getting you particularly excited? Mia, I'll, I'll have you go first because I'm going to have some slightly long-winded Tick, Tick, Boom uh, backstory that I want to give, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think I have much of a reaction to Shang-Chi or Halloween Kills. Uh, I agree, I think the Halloween Kills kind of shows everything. And it also felt like a very, very long trailer. I didn't look at the runtime, but it just felt really long. Um, just, you know, he's doing some killing and there's fires and woo. I don't know. <laughs> not, not terribly overwhelmed by that, I think. Um, but I, I guess I had probably the strongest reaction to Tick Boom just because it's Andrew Garfield and I feel like he hasn't been in a lot somewhat recently. And so I'm just excited to see him acting again. Um, I need to check out like the recent stuff that he's done, but I just, I think I really like him as an actor and I think he's really multifaceted, I think in, in the genres that he's been in. Um, and I'm excited to see not only just him acting in this and singing in this, but um, from a movie that's directed by someone we all know and love. Um, and that can probably segue perfectly, Dave, into your thoughts. Yes, yes. So real quick, I'll give my thoughts on Shang-Chi and Halloween Kills. Yeah, I thought the, the second Shang-Chi trailer was really, really good and a lot better in my opinion than the first one. Um, I, I liked the first one. I just didn't think like, it didn't really catch my interest or really like stand out from other like Marvel trailers, but this like felt very different and just, really a ton of fun and a lot of just like weird mystical elements that I'm really excited to see. Um, so yeah, definitely excited for that. Um, Halloween Kills, I really hate the first Halloween movie. That's the only one I've seen. We watched it together and I was very surprised by how much I thought it really sucked a lot. Um, and so, yeah, this doesn't, I'm not super excited about this. I think, yeah, I, it seems to me and I don't have a super, um, in-depth knowledge of kind of how much they acknowledge this, but yeah, I mean, Mike, you know, Michael Myers, it seems like a, wait, wait, it's, this is Michael Myers and Mike Myers is the actor, correct? Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I always get them mixed up. So yeah, um, they've always kind of leaned into the fact that he's maybe a mystical being and like, he seems pretty unkillable and he's basically not a man at this point, but in this one, they really seem to be like, with every person he kills, he gets more powerful and he's less human and he's maybe magic or whatever, um, which I think is interesting. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I probably won't see this. Maybe I'll watch the 
reboot one from a few years ago and then watch this because you know just kind of fun to watch horror movies around halloween but yeah anyway tick tick boom so i'm super excited for this i don't i like didn't know a ton about this before this trailer and so i like did some research and it just got me really excited for it so um basically like the, the general backstory behind it is it's written by jonathan larson who very famously wrote rent which is just a um very well-known musical um and he very sadly died the like morning of that show like going to previews on broadway so he like never saw it come to fruition um and so that, like, that's kind of a big reason why rent is so highly regarded as just this, this piece of art that like its creator never really got to see um and so before he wrote that he wrote this one man autobiographical show about this guy who's supposed to be him who is a composer and he's trying to make like his one big work and like make his mark before he dies. And so it's very like, it's very kind of chilling in retrospect because he, you know, he wrote, he finally wrote his amazing work in Rent and then he never got to see it. And so I think it's just gonna be, and so it was a one man show, but then they made it after his death, they made it into like a full scale Broadway show. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just super excited about this. I think um, from everything I've I've heard, like the music's really good. And yeah, I think just the general concept of um, just like an artist who's trying to like make his, make his mark on the world before he's gone. And like, that's where like the tick comes in where he's like, he's like hearing the clock of his life tick off. I think it's just a really interesting concept. And I think it'll be a very good movie, I hope. Um, Cause yeah, the trailer was definitely, very intriguing. Um, and yeah, I guess from there, we'll just jump into our main topic for the week. Um, so our main topic this week, uh, since this is our final episode, our, our finale, if you will, um, we, we've decided to make our last topic to be the best finales. Um, we're, we're playing a little loose with it. So it could be a TV show finale or uh, the best final chapter in like a series of movies or really however you want to interpret it. Um, but yeah, so we've each got, got a few, a few things we want to talk about that we would consider to be the best finales. Um, and yeah, so we're, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if we usually start with you, Dave, for, for main topics, but we could probably just do a round robin as, as we often do. Um, and so yeah, Dave, what's, what's your first pick for, for our finales? Yes, yes. So as I was putting this together, my like initial thought was, like best endings for movies but in, in talking with both of you I think both of you guys were a little bit more just like best endings to like things to series of things and so I'll probably go mostly in that direction for my list um so I'll start with um as Kyle mentioned before Star Trek um I'm gonna go with Star Trek 6 the undiscovered country I think that's the name of it let me check because I will be very upset if I get it wrong um, yeah, I was correct. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which is the um, send-off of, like, the original cast of Star Trek. Um, and so, yeah, it was the, the cast that made the original series and the first six movies, um, half of which are good and half of which are bad. Um, but the sixth one is pretty good. It's about them going on, like, one last final mission, um, to like make peace with the Klingons and things go badly. 
Um, and I won't get too much into the nitty gritty of the details of the story because like it just it's pretty specific and niche. And I don't think you guys would really know what was going on anyway. Uh, but yeah, it ends very well. Um, they like complete the final mission and then they're like, oh man, this is it. This is the end. Like they kind of like didn't realize along the journey that this is going to be the end. Um, but then they have a, just a very touching send off where they just kind of fly into like it from they don't actually fly into the sun but like from the perspective of the camera they just like fly toward the sun and then just kind of disappear into it um they don't burn up into a fiery crisp that that's not what happens um but yeah and then as was uh imitated in avengers endgame um they kind of pioneered the first like the cast all sign, signing their names on the screen during the credits, um, which was kind of cool. So yeah, the, the, it's just a very good send off for like a over almost 30 year journey at that point of like those specific characters and that specific cast. So yeah, it just, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, I don't have much I can say about it since obviously I'm not a big Star Trek fan or have even seen it in general. Um, but yeah, uh, Mia, what's, what's your pick? Uh, well, I wanted the obvious because I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about it and I don't want to steal your thunder. So my number two, well, have it written down second. It's not ranked or anything. Um, it is Breaking Away. I love this movie. It's, uh, I think from 1979. Um, it's just, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on other podcasts or on other episodes and uh dave has seen it i know um it's just a really heartwarming coming of age movie set in um in bloomington correct yeah university of uh of indiana bloomington and uh it's just about these four kids who are growing up they've just graduated high school and are trying to figure out if they're going to go on to college and which college and if they're just going to like have the career that their parents had, which is like middle class, working middle class, basically. Um, it's just really heartwarming. The friendships that they have are just really well played out. I think it's a really great cast and um, all of the loose ends just like come together and you see just like a very satisfying and happy ending for kind of the main character who we've seen throughout the the whole movie it, the story is basically about him um being a cyclist and wanting to bike professionally um and like go to the olympics basically um but i just love it it's a really feel-good movie super nostalgic and uh yeah it's just very very great super satisfying ending so that's why this is on my list yeah i would definitely agree um i think that's a very good ending um culminates in a, in a big old bike in a big old bike race where they're just zipping around a track and there's lots of drama um and the only other thing i'll say about that is circling back to luca um luca also spoiler alert ends with a big bike race um and it takes place in italy so i think there's, there's a, and, and in Breaking Away, there he's trying to um, be like an Italian like bike racer. Um, so yeah, if uh, I think Mia, you'll probably like Luca because it ends pretty much the same way. So. Yeah, I feel like my my first pick here is probably going to be unsurprising because um, I, I decided to go with uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, um, 
which yeah, Mia, Mia, Mia did a gesture, so she she knew it. Um, but how how could it not be? Like again, Lord of the Rings, as I've said many many times on this podcast, uh, are just collectively my favorite movie. And I think Return of the King is the perfect like conclusion to that series, specifically that series of films directed by Peter Jackson. Like I think the obviously the books are great too, but I we're a movie podcast, so I'm talking specifically about the movie. Um, and yeah, I think it just does a, such a good job of fulfilling all the promises of those first two films. Um, like it just sees, sees all the characters through uh, to their natural conclusions and to all the, you, you see like exactly how they've developed over the course of the, over the course of the series and what friendships have formed and what tensions have arisen and just like generally what's like has happened over the course of the past two films, uh, they kind of get to their, again, their natural conclusion in, in Return of the King. Uh, and I think there's still a lot of de- like development to be had in Return of the King. So it's still very much can stand alone, um, but it just caps off that whole series so perfectly. And I think by not have like, it's kind of a happy ending, but it's also kind of a really sad ending. Like, it's not the kind of generic, like, happy ending, like, oh, then they go home and everything's good. Um, and this is uh, to, to Tolkien's credit for ending it the way he did. Um, but uh, just like Frodo, obviously, in, in the books, it's a little different because there's a whole scoring of the Shire that I won't get into. Um, but in, in the film, like, they get home and I guess spoiler alert for the end of Lord of the Rings, but... It, they, the, these movies came out 20 years ago so um but like they get home and then Frodo's like not the same because obviously he went on this this long journey uh that was a life-altering event um and when he came home it just he wasn't the same person and he didn't find the same enjoyment as he did once upon a time in the Shire um and so he had to make the decision to to leave with Gandalf and go to the Grey Havens and leave all his friends um, just because he never fully healed um, from from uh, that journey. I, I just think it's a beautiful, a beautiful ending. It's a beautiful film. Um, I have been really feeling the itch to watch these movies again lately. So maybe maybe this will be the the kick I need to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've ever watched this movie and not bawled my eyes out. Um, and usually like whenever I watch a movie that I get emotional in, usually after a couple of times, I'll, I'll usually dry up a bit. Like I, like, I think La La Land's one of those examples that like the first like few times that I watched that movie, I was just a mess. But now when I watch it, like I just like moved by it, but I won't like cry or anything. Um, but Return of the King gets me every time. And I've seen this movie countless times. Um, so yeah, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. That is, that is my, that's my first pick for the best, best finale. Um, but yeah, uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Or if not, we can move on to Dave. But... I'm good to move on. I have only seen that movie once, like all of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty good. I definitely need to go back and rewatch it. Yes. Um, yes. Mia is looking at me very ashamedly. I'm astounded that you have not seen this more times. I literally can't count the amount of times that I've seen this series and Kyle I think you're absolutely right I think growing up with it as well like the gravity of Frodo leaving everything behind in the in the Shire like all of his friends like that life like that always used to make me sad but now that like 
breaks me and I haven't seen it in like several years and I can't imagine like how much I would cry watching it again like oh my gosh Dave how dare you I'm wow you're gonna have to reevaluate this friendship I think yeah I feel like I'm getting emotionally worked up like just thinking about the end of this movie I'm like oh oh god (laughs) in my defense or maybe this will make you even more mad I had only I've only I saw it for the first time only like two years ago so like you know I I just haven't had much opportunity to rewatch it but I will and I, I think it's I think it's definitely very good um but yeah my next one um I feel like is another like fairly obvious one and technically isn't an ending because there is more of these things coming and still happening but Avengers Endgame um I feel like that is very much like an ending point at least um, if not a an actual true ending, because these movies will never end. I doubt we will ever, maybe ever in the entire uh, course of humanity reach a point where they just stop making Marvel Cinematic Universe things. Um, but yeah, this was definitely, this is the culmination of, at that point, 11 years of storytelling within the MCU and 20 some odd uh, movies and now many tv shows that will be coming but yeah it it definitely just it wraps up the a lot of the story arcs of the just original avengers um and just as as all good finales should has just you know countless callbacks and little just like references and things that just really tie together arcs of different movies um it's very fan service but i think like this movie it's a perfect amount of fan service um and i wouldn't really have it any other way um and yeah there's just there's so many amazing moments in that movie like captain america lifting mjolnir and the sacrifice of iron man and just like all of the fun time travel shenanigans um and yeah it just it's it's really great and i think for the years and years of hype that like went into that movie and like that ending for this part of the mcu i think it's just it's pretty much perfect at least in that regard yeah i agree uh endgame was also on my list uh, so I'll, I'll talk about it very briefly but yeah i agree that it is kind of like i think it's the closest thing to an ending we're ever going to get in the mcu um just because it, it tied together like all the the previous films so well um by quite literally going back and revisiting some of them uh, by like yeah through the whole time travel heist um but even just like emotionally with all those characters like just seeing like captain america kind of get his his like captain america and iron man both both get their their uh conclusions to their story arcs and we see just like how much they've grown uh over the however many films they had been in um and yeah it's it's avengers endgame like i feel like there's there's so much that can be said that has already been said um but yeah I think it's it's great yeah I purposely didn't put that on my list because I knew either one of you were going to talk about it so um my next pick is uh the Hunger Games Mockingjay part two um and that's mostly taking into consideration like the fact that I'm very not to brag, but I know the books very well. I don't necessarily know the movies as well. So this is kind of more like the series that I'm talking about and not maybe necessarily the movie adaptations. Um, But I just really like the conclusion of this series. I think that it's 
really well put together. I think the movies vary in in quality and I remember not particularly liking either Mockingjay movie. Um, but I think overall, like the story kind of coming together, all of the characters either getting a happy ending or dying um, or moving if you're Gale. Uh, I think it's it just brings all of those pieces together. And um, I know there is like controversy, controversy of like Team PETA versus Team Gale. But um, I think it ends the way that it ought to end. Um, and that just, it makes it a satisfying conclusion, I think, to a story that was like so, so huge when the movies came out. Well, really when the books came out and then when the movies came out, like that was a core part of my like high school experience, I think was like centered around the years that these movies were coming out, so. Yeah, I was a big fan of the Hunger Games books uh, when they were coming out as well. Um, but to this day, I have not seen Mockingjay Part 1 or Part 2. I've just seen the first two films because I heard Mockingjays. Uh, I heard they, I had a, I had heard negative things when they came out. And so I just didn't bother seeing them then. Um, and because like I was already kind of over Hunger Games by the time those movies came out. Um, but have just never gone back and revisited them. Um, so I can't obviously attest to their quality um but i do remember yeah. being satisfied by the ending of the books um yeah i i think those movies are actually like pretty solid i think i like them a lot more than like just general public consensus um but i also haven't seen either since they came out um so i'm not really sure i think that book i don't like like i really didn't like that book at all when i've read it um, I know Mia is very upset at me. Um, yeah, I just thought it was like really weird and confusing and I didn't like where they took some of the characters. Um, but again, it's been a very long time since I've read that. Um, but I think the, mov the movies do a pretty decent job of adapting that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think they're definitely much more like slow and plotting movies because there's not, there's not a Hunger Games going on. They're just kind of like fighting and hiding from whatever the government is called um in, in the books but yeah i think they're i think they're all right like i think they're pretty they're pretty good um yeah uh as for my next pick uh i went with something i'd watched recently uh, and actually just talked about last week and that's uh harry potter and the deathly hollows part two um i think the deathly hollows part two is a very very solid conclusion to that film series um, with, I think the Deathly Hallows book is just a very good conclusion of the Harry Potter series as a whole. Um, but talking specifically about the film series, or yeah, I just I really like Deathly Hallows Part Two. I think similarly to Avengers Endgame, like I think it touches on a lot of individual characters that you've seen throughout all of these movies and kind of gives them all their own little moments. Um, but it still is dark enough that like there's weight. Like it's not just fan service for the for the sake of fan service. Like there's some moments where like uh i don't remember like the name of the the girl that ron kind of has a relationship with um because she gives him like a love potion or something or i don't that might be the fifth or the sixth one or something um but i remember like they come back to her a little bit in deathly hollows part two and like we see like a moment with her early on and then we see like her die later on um but i think that's just like an example of like their attention to detail with bringing back characters um and yeah just like the whole like 
conclusion to the Harry Potter series. I think it's the, from memory, I haven't read the books in a while, but from memory, I think Deathly Hallows Part 2 was like, for the most part, pretty like true to the book. Like I know that there were definite changes in there specifically with like the moment that Voldemort dies being the, the biggest one. Um, but yeah, I just, I really liked it. It was very emotionally satisfying when I, when I rewatched them through this, this most recent time. And yeah, I assume you guys could both talk about this movie because you're both Harry Potter fans. Um, so yeah, what are your, what are some of your thoughts? I was shocked because I think the, is the, are you talking about Lavender Brown, the gal that Ron dates in uh, the Half-Blood Prince? I think so. I'm definitely talking about, yeah, the girl that he dates. Um, I didn't know that she died. Yeah, she gets killed by the the werewolf dude. There's there's like a shot of him like kind of like yeah like biting her neck, and she's just like dead on the ground. And like we don't see her die, but we see her dead. Um, and it was a kind of a very shocking moment. Like we see her earlier in the film, and there's like an actual moment with her then. Um, but yeah, we see her just like in the chaos of that final battle. We see we see her dead. Okay, I guess I was I must have confused her with Bill, who like gets bitten. But then he's he just like kind of becomes a werewolf and he's fine. I I thought that she was fine that she just became a werewolf as well. That makes it really sad. And those are my Harry Potter thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love the last movie. I think it's one of the best ones. Um, yeah, it just I I think like Endgame, it just so perfectly kind of wraps up every character storyline you know like some of them die which is very sad there's some very very upsetting deaths in that book um of like relatively minor side characters but ones who you're like really attached to um and i i guess i can spoil it because it's you know everyone's seen it or you know it's been 10 years but yeah like lupin and tonks is just like very very upsetting um they kind of play it down in the movie a little bit like you just kind of see them um but yeah Fred or George, I do not remember which one dies. Um, they, okay, thank you, Mia. Um, but yeah, like his death is so sad. Um, and I think the, like Kyle, like you said with Lord of the Rings, a sequence that like always gets to me is the like Snape, like pensive, like flashback sequence where like you just kind of see where a lot of exposition is giving to both the the viewer and Harry about like why Snape is the way he is and like what is the key to defeating Voldemort um and yeah it's just like so well done and so well edited and like the music is so good um and Alan Rickman is just amazing in that scene um but yeah it's just it's really great I I, I love that one um so so yeah, I guess I'll go to my next one, which was going to be this one. Um, so I, I have to think of something else. But um, yeah, I think it's it's time to move into some TV, I would say. Um, and so I will go with um, The Good Place, which I know both of you have seen part of, but have not finished. So I'm not going to go super in-depth here. Um, but yeah, without spoiling too much, I don't really feel like this element is that much of a spoiler. They get to the good place. They, they, the end. They, they get there. Like, and that's not even like the end. End. That's like in that last season. It's like they, the good place is real. Like they, they find it and like they get there. Um, and like I think they could have just like, I feel like a worse ending would have just been like, they made it to the good place. The end. Like they get to live forever. The finale and like a few episodes before it like really explore 
what the good place is and like what happens after somebody gets to the good place. And there is really like an ending ending to those characters that I won't spoil, but it's like, it's so beautifully done. And I think I saw like some criticism of, of it being like very dark, but I think it really works really well and kind of gives like a meaning to their lives and their afterlives. Um, and yeah, that is another finale that just like makes me cry because it's just so, so well done. Um, and yeah, all of them get wrapped up in really, really good ways, um, especially Michael. Um, they do some really fun things with this character. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really good. And I know both of you like really liked the first season, but then just like stopped, just didn't watch anymore or at least like just didn't continue with it. But I definitely would, rec would recommend it because it's just, it's a really, really great show. And like the the finale will just make you cry and just like think about life and like the meaning of life and yeah, it is really good. Yeah, I don't know if I will go back to it just because I haven't missed it enough to be like, oh yeah, I should probably finish that. But if I do in the next ten years or so, I will be sure to let you know, Dave. Thanks, um, me. I appreciate that. I suppose this is kind of my last one just because. I didn't want to talk about Lord of the Rings. Um, but now that we're talking about TV shows, uh, we can talk about something that is very near and dear to me, and that's Parks and Rec. Um, I kind of thought of that as you were talking about The Good Place and just how the character stories get, get resolved. And I think Parks and Rec did just such a good job of like, not only winding down that last season, but the last episode, like seeing all of those characters revisiting the characters who haven't been as as important in the in the last season um and really like doing them justice i think in like fleshing out their storylines and um yeah just letting the audience kind of know like what's going on with them uh i distinctly remember uh like going to my first college class in the summer of the summer right before I started college. So this was five years ago that I first watched Parks and Rec. Um, and it's just like such a poignant like memory that I have of like watching the finale and like sobbing. And I had just put my makeup on so then I had to like fix my makeup and then go to class. And it, it like still makes me cry every time I watch it. Like it's so, it's so satisfying because it like goes into the future and then it like comes back to the present. So it's like, we're saying goodbye to those characters, but we have like the assurance that like everything is gonna be fine. Like they're gonna stay friends and like they have all these amazing things like ahead of them, like in Ben and Leslie's life. Like, oh, it just like makes my heart pitter patter watching that show. And I think it's one of the like best finales hands down of, of a TV show. Yeah, I agree uh, 100%. Uh, in fact, Parks and Rec was also on my list um, just for how good that finale is. Because, like, yeah, like, I know that some people, like, complain about how, like, they think it was kind of lazy just, like, going into the future like that and showing the characters where where they are. But I, I really like that element. I think it's really interesting. Um, and it, it is fun just kind of seeing where the characters would end up going um, after this show. Um, and, yeah, it's a very emotional finale because um, I think specifically with the relationship of between Ron and Leslie throughout that whole last season um, is just so well done, especially since like you saw like how it evolved and grew over the, over the seasons. 
and yeah, Parks and Rec to this day is my favorite sitcom. Like it's, it's so good. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, I, I love it. It's great. Um, I kind of forgot until this moment that there was the Parks and Rec reunion um, just over a year ago. Like they had the Zoom reunion, um, like at the beginning of COVID and everything. And I just, yeah, I forgot about that. I, I watched it when it came out, but I haven't like gone back to it since. I remember it being pretty fun though. Um, but obviously that's not a finale or anything. That's just kind of a fun little aside. Um, so yeah, I guess, David, do you have any thoughts on Parks and Rec before I jump into my next thing? Oh, I could talk about Parks and Rec all day, but I, I won't. Um, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I don't really think I have to sit here and explain why Parks and Rec is really good because it's just the best. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's maybe my favorite sitcom. If not, it's really, really close. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. And I think, yeah, that just wraps up those characters so well. And honestly, kind of makes it pointless for them to have like a reboot of it which I think is good because I don't really want that I just kind of want it to stay like its perfect self um so so yeah yeah um I guess the next thing I can talk about um since Mia you said that Parson Rec was your last one correct cool so this can be my last one and then Dave you can I'll, I'll do this and then I'll rattle through the other like whatever else I have and then Dave you can rattle through what you have um so yeah I wanted to talk about uh Toy Story 3 um, because I know that there is a Toy Story 4 at this point, but I do still consider Toy Story 3 to be such a good ending. Like, I, I, I think even though I love Toy Story 4, I think Toy Story 4 is a lot of fun, and I think it still provides that satisfying ending, but I think Toy Story 3 specifically is just such a good conclusion to that kind of trilogy of movies, because they, uh, with, with Andy and just with just the toys as a whole and those, those relationships, I just think it's so well done. It gets pretty dark, which I think is something that like, it's just matching it's at the age of its audience as obviously people that grew up watching the first two Toy Stories uh, were probably about and the character of Andy's age when the third one came out. Um, and yeah, I don't really have much else to say that can't, that hasn't already been said about Toy Story 3. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so emotional and it's just so such a perfect ending. And just that whole scene of Andy, like gifting his toys over to the younger, uh, the younger, I think her name is Bonnie. Um, and yeah, just that whole thing. It's yeah. So, so good. Um, and it holds a near and dear place in my heart because like I grew up watching the Toy Story movies as I'm sure everybody did. Um, and yeah, that's actually all I had because two of them, I had five, but two had been talked about by you guys. So that kind of just worked out really well. Um, so yeah, Dave, uh, well, first of all, do you guys have any res uh, responses to Toy Story 3? And then Dave, uh, do you have any, any others you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I distinctly remember seeing Toy Story 3 for the first time in theaters in Canada, like with my younger cousins who are like five and seven years younger than I was. And I was pretty young too when that came out. I don't remember the year, but I was like not even thinking about college. And I was still like pretty shaken by that ending and just how how serious it was and the fact that he was giving up his toys. And I like couldn't fathom that I think in my mind still. So I must've been pretty young or maybe I'm just completely childish. And that's me admitting to that. Um, but I think that is just, yeah really really well done um ending that like kids can enjoy but then like young adults and then adults can like come back to and really see that the producers and the directors that you know everyone the story the uh screenplay writers just like put a lot of like 
careful thought and consideration, I think, into like doing these characters justice. Yeah, definitely. Kyle, I think that's a very, very good choice just because that isn't something that like came to mind for me because yeah, there is a fourth one. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I, I think I would just echo everything Mia said, um, which is really excellent. Um, yeah, honestly, I don't think I really had anything else either because they were taken by you guys. The only other one was The Office, which I feel just like, I can kind of just lump in with Parks and Rec where it's like, I just think it's a really good just like sitcom finale um, and they wrap up everybody really well. And there's just lots of like very heartfelt moments to it. Um, so yeah, not, not really much else to say. All right. Um, on that note, we'll, we'll start wrapping this up. Um, yeah, it, it feels weird wrapping it up because it's our last episode. Um, so I guess just briefly, I just wanted to say that this has been, it's been good. This has been a fun time. Uh, cause we started doing podcasts to get, so like we started just doing the, the entertainment podcast for the DN, like fall semester of my sophomore year. And that's back when it was entertainment optional. Uh, and that was me and Wade. Uh, and we just have different guests on each week. Uh, and then we had Dave on a couple times and Mia, were you ever on entertainment optional when it was just a, a, a Wade and I? No, no, no. Well, like, so I think it was at semester, uh, Wade had something come up, so he couldn't do it anymore. And I was like, you know what? I want to keep doing this. And so then brought Dave on as, as co-host because he had been on before and did a pretty good job. Uh, and then soon we, we, at that point it was Dave and I, and we just kind of kept having guests on each week, but then, Obviously, Mia <laughs> was on probably more than any other guest. And at a certain point, we we're kind of like, you know what, let's just do this. And then we renamed us to Nebraskans. I, it might have been the following fall semester. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a while. Um, I, I'm wondering how many episodes we've done if we loop in entertainment optional with this, um, because this is episode 57 of Cinebraskans, the Daily Nebraskan podcast. Um, do you guys have any other concluding thoughts on just podcasting? Um, I mean, not especially. I don't want to get like sad, I guess. But um, I guess probably the the cool thing that came from this, besides being able to talk about movies and really enjoy talking about movies and you guys putting up with me talking about Interstellar and a ghost story, probably for hours at this point that you guys have heard me talking about those movies. But um, like, I, I remember when we were coming up with the name for when we were going to come back in the, in the fall and that summer we like didn't see each other at all, but we like came up with our group chat name and like actually started like, Oh yeah, I think I like these people. I want to be friends with them. And then like <laughs> coming back in the fall rebranded uh and just like launched into that I guess my senior year or yeah senior year of college and hanging out with you guys and then our movie nights and just how we were able to keep that up during COVID and then how that changed like when I was in grad school and just I guess the longevity of everything and the the fun friendships basically that have come from this that wasn't a sentence really that was just a discombobulated paragraph but yeah well i i thought it was beautiful mia um yes and so yeah i'm i'm definitely i'm, I'm really sad like i'm kind of at a loss for words because this has just like strangely like just meant a lot to me over the last few years and i think 
yeah, it's you know for anyone who ever listened to this, I'm I'm I've I haven't really looked at our listener numbers because it kind of terrifies me that we've just been maybe shouting into the void or just yelling things about movies to my mom for two years. Um, but yeah, I think like I'm just yeah to anyone who ever listened, like really appreciate it. Um, it's been a it's been a ton of fun, and yeah, to both of you, like thanks for being some great co-hosts. I. Yeah, I just, I remember like starting this, like the first, um, yeah, the first week of fall semester of 2019. Um, and just, yeah, just being excited to like, like that's, we were just kind of becoming friends then. I'm like, I just, you know, I really like these people and I'm excited to just like have these new friends and do this podcast and it just becomes something really great and uh, love you both. And uh, yeah it is possible that DN might be back with some sort of pop culture entertainment movie podcast in the future. I've, I've heard some interest in that. Um, but yeah, it's uh yeah. It's a Nebraska signing off for one, one last time. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a good time. And I guess to our listeners, like the three of us are going to continue to be friends post this podcast. Like we're still going to uh, our movie yeah. night. <laughs> this, this, this might be it. I mean, I think, you know what what are we just going to talk about movies all day like like we do anyway you know <laughs> yeah pretty much uh, yeah but yeah um it's been it's been it's been a good time um so i guess on that note it's been episode 57 the last episode of sin nebraskans daily nebraskan entertainment podcast uh as always i've been your host kyle cruz joined by my co-host david berman and me everding and yeah uh thanks for tuning in See ya. Yeah.